Here's an honest question. How are you supposed to know what to do with your money? Very few of us are exposed to meaningful advice on how to manage our finances. Even fewer have the means to get professional financial guidance. Betterment is a platform that was built to do something radical, to give accessible financial advice that puts you first. If you're like most Americans, your money is probably sitting in a savings account, likely earning you next to nothing. Maybe you have an investment account that you're not really sure what to do with. Betterment can help you make sense of what to do with your money. Investing involves risk, but you don't have to know the ins and the outs of the stock market to start investing for your future. Betterment's technology will put your money to work choosing the stocks and strategies that are right for you because we know you have other things to do. Betterment's platform can even provide guidance on what financial goals make sense for you. Give your money a new home with Betterment, peace of mind included. Download the Betterment app today. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T for the betterment of you. Forever Blue Shirts Radio. Welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. I'm Russell Hartman, and here as always. And joining me this week is Forever Blue Shirts Editor-in-Chief, Mr. Zach Chigger, and the Space Earth Bender himself and Forever Blue Shirts writer, Mr. Kevin Krupe. How are you guys doing? Good, Russ. How are you? I'm good. Kevin, I am doing, good. Bro? I'm doing good. good. Pretty good tired, but, you know, it's good. Let's to hear. <laughs> So before we start today, I just want to bring attention to uh, kind of a somber anniversary in Rangerstown. Uh, it's the 32nd anniversary of the shooting of uh, the late detective, Mr. Stephen McDonald. Um, as always, uh, our hearts go out to the family, including Patty Ann and Connor uh, from the whole team. Obviously, the Rangers organization does things right by them every single year. And uh, today they did a little tribute to the family uh, in Central Park on Fifth Avenue and 108th Street. And Patty Ann and Connor... Uh, McDonald were both joined by Chris Kreider. So our hearts go out to them. And, Stephen, we know that you're up there looking down on the Rangers. So, uh, you know, uh, our hearts go out to them. And they're in our thoughts and prayers, as always. Moving right along, Cody McLeod. Goon, terrible skater, can't shoot the puck, somehow re-signed by the New York Rangers. I don't really understand this move, to be honest with you both. Um, maybe one of you can help, some shed, help me shed some light on this for our listeners. Kevin, what do you think, man? Why, why, why Cody McLeod? Why not just bring up another kid? Well, you can go a couple of ways with this, but I think the main reason with Cody McLeod is that he's going to defend these young guys. We're going to have some younger guys, and I know we're going to get into these line combos right after this, so I'll hold it back a little bit, but we have a significantly younger team than we did at the same time last year. So to sign some enforcer, especially with all the cap space we have, it's just going to be nothing. It's a one-year deal. He's going to stay here for this year. And then, hey, maybe some team's like, hey, I need some grit. Trade a seventh-round pick for McLeod at the last second during the trade deadline. So we'll see what happens. But I think it's just a regular signing. We're going to see a few more of these throughout the summer. So uh, 
I think that's my that's my perspective on it, but it's just to protect the young guys like he did last year. Zach, what do you think, bud? Why why Cody McLeod? So uh, so Kevin kind of stole my thunder a little bit, which is fine. <laughs> Sorry but, about that. But, 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 but like you said, you know, you're going to have a young team, uh, a mostly inexperienced bottom six, and we'll get into the uh, line combos in a minute, but you're you're going to have a team that's very green and you need someone that's going to make sure that liberties aren't taken against them. My only issue with it um, is, the, is the following, and that is that you have a guy in Matt Bolesky who can kind of take on the same role but is a, is a much more significant cap hit. So if this whole thing is, is just for Jeff Gordon to save some money, um, then I don't really agree with it if it's because they never had any intention of bringing Bolesky to the big club once they acquired him from Boston in the Rick Nash deal that brought over Ryan Spooner and Ryan Lindgren, then that's fine. But, you know, unless, unless as Kevin said, they're going to be able to trade um, – McLeod at some point later in the season, that this this deal is kind of like what is it going to do for me? So I'm I'm kind of indifferent. It's a very low risk deal. He's going to end up getting scratched a lot of nights. And I think the only reason why they don't bring up another kid is they don't they don't need to bring up the kids, right? The the organization has called this a rebuilding year, um, and certainly they're not expected to do anything this season, but you know, when you have, excuse me, when you have uh, kids who are still learning the NHL game and uh, a bunch of uh, kids who are not even 20 years old yet, who are going to be competing for spots at the NHL level, it definitely doesn't hurt to have a guy more experienced who's been in the grit, who's going to be able to protect these kids and, and let them develop uh, at the pace that the organization needs them to. You're right. And, I mean, both of you bring up really valid points. I don't see McLeod breaking into the lineup much this season. Uh, maybe he gets in. Honestly, in games where he played teams like the Islanders, he seemed to be stocking up on, the you know, the most fourth lines in hockey. Uh, but at the end of the day, he won't be playing that much. I do agree with both of you. I think the young kids are going to have every chance to shine, and I think we're going to have one of the youngest teams uh, in the league this season by far. So, moving on here, we got our first reader question, which has to do with our first topic, and it is from DJM at DannyBoy5411, who asks, who do you think makes the big club, and what line combinations do you think the Rangers will have in the beginning of the season? Okay. This one's simple for me. I think Leah Sanderson, Filipino, right off the bat, will be on the opening night roster. I don't think there's any anything else that the both of them have to prove in Hartford. I'm not in that crowd that thinks they need one more season in Hartford, blah, blah, blah. They need a dominant move, blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no more. We're rebuilding. Get the kids up. Let them play. Slot Filipino into your second-line center spot. spot. Slot Leah Sanderson into your third-line center spot. And, leave, and from there, have a fight for the fourth-line center spot and leave it at that. There's no reason those two should be in Hartford in uh, in October. There's absolutely no reason. On your wing, oh, I completely um, agree. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping the both of you agree with me on that because we are in a rebuild. I don't think there's any reason why there's, those two should not be no on reason. the opening there's night roster. There's definitely no reason to keep them down, especially when you waited at, to the last second so you don't burn the first year of their contract. And they're, now they're going to have a full season, a full rebuilding season, to keep these guys in the lineup consistently. And it's not going to be fighting for spots, and we're not going to have A-B's system to keep them down. We have a whole new system with a whole new coach, a whole new coaching staff. And then we're definitely going to see Neat Pionk and John Gilmore back up here. I don't see a reason not to because they were fantastic last year. They were the happy little surprise that Rangers fans had, at least I had, towards the end of the season where I was like, oh, we have to watch the Rangers. Their defense is terrible. And then Neil Pionk and John Gilmore come out of nowhere and steal the show. And they oh, yeah. stole spots from Brennan Smith. They stole time from Mark Stahl. And I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Shattenkirk was still healthy. He wouldn't have gotten – time stolen also. So I'm definitely looking for those two young defensemen. John Gilmore is in a contract year, which I really hope they re-up soon because he definitely needs to play on this big league club. And then maybe we oh, might yeah. actually see um, – I don't know. We definitely see Georgiev a lot more. I really think that he's going to be the backup to Henrik Lundqvist to start the season. If I don't they think sign another goalie, either, yeah. I think that's just foolish and you're wasting money at that point where you could potentially take on bigger contracts and trades during the year mm-hmm. to get some good prospects back. So Georgiev, because he had a solid, some solid outings, I definitely see him getting a good chunk of time, maybe even splitting with Hank if he can't handle the workload in the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, look, on your wings, the wings get a bit complicated. And you, you'll notice that I didn't include Kevin Hayes on the center depth chart. And I think that, that is exactly what he needs. I don't think Kevin Hayes should play as center anymore on this team. Not when you have Philippito and Leah Sanderson, who are both natural centers. Uh, Kevin Hayes has shifted back and forth between the wing and center throughout his whole career. I actually like Kevin Hayes' game more when he is on the wing. I think since he doesn't have all the defensive responsibilities of playing in the center ice position, he uh, is actually a better player on the wing because he's more free-flowing. He can use his body more. He doesn't always have to be in perfect positioning. So I do think that and this is assuming that Kevin Hayes even stays here uh, past the summer, which I don't know at this point. Who knows what he's going to get awarded in arbitration or if they decide to trade him before that. But I do think that your top six is going to consist of Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, Pavel Butchnevich, Philip Hedl, Matt Zuccarello. And honestly, I, Zach, who do you think it's that final spot in the top six? I really don't think it. I don't, I don't think, Anyone has exactly earned that yet, but I think there might be a battle in training camp to see who gets that last spot in the top six. So you got Kreider. I have the roster. You have Kreider, Zook, um, Nemesnikov, Booch, Jesper, uh, Cody McLeod, Spooner, and Jimmy Vesey, and Kevin Hayes. We'll see what happens, but those are the wings currently on the uh, depth chart. So Kreider and Zook are shooing for the top six. Booch should be in the top six. Um, you know, I'm not sure if you put Hayes, excuse me, if you put Hayes in the top six, then if uh, Leah Anderson or Filipino are struggling down the middle, you won't be able to, um, you won't be able to just flop them in game because then you'll have to change up your whole line combinations. 
So I'm not such a fan of, of Hayes in the top six for that reason, unless um, you're putting Leah Anderson as your second-line center. Um, the other option is to have a kid, and, um, you know, I like I like Vinny Letary a lot. Um, he's got a great shot. He's He has the experience uh, from his few games last year, so he knows the game. He just needs to be given the time to to show what he can do in the league. You know, a sample size of a handful of games isn't really going to do much for your organizational work. Um, but we'll see. I don't think Jimmy BC has earned the top six role. He's been okay in stretches, but hasn't really done enough to prove that he's worthy of a top six. So we'll see. And like I said, you could put Nemesnikov on a wing and put Hayes on a wing and you can, and if Brett Howden makes the camp, makes the team out of camp, excuse me, then you're talking about three young big centers down uh, in two, three and Jad as, as number one and a ton of talent on the wing. So Exactly, we'll see what happens. exactly. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens, but the the Rangers' biggest issues are not at forward; it's at defense, and uh, that that's where David Quinn's going to make his money this year. Now, I'm glad you I'm glad you said that because moving down to the defense, we have a hundred percent healthy Kevin Shattenkirk coming into the year. And let's remember, Kevin Shattenkirk was playing on one leg, and the guy put almost put up almost forty points last year. Now. Healthy Kevin Shattenkirk is going to do wonders for this lineup. I know a lot of people, oh, we have Kevin Shattenkirk? Yeah, we do, man. He was just out a lot last year, and I felt bad <laughs> for the guy. Now, Kevin Shattenkirk is going to be awesome for this team this year, especially because David Quinn is now the coach, and David Quinn knows Kevin Shattenkirk pretty well. Brady Shea, slot those as your one and two for the whole year. Nothing is going to change that pair, to be honest. That is your top pair for the year, Brady Shea and Kevin Shattenkirk. I don't think any defenseman we have will change that. Um, Neil Pionk and John Gilmore to what Kevin said. I think that's they will, they will both be in the lineup. I think they both have to be in the lineup. They are both playing ridiculous minutes at the end of last season. And Neil Pionk was like, if, if people remember the game when the when they were playing the Penguins at the end of the year, Neil Pionk put Chris Letang on skates and made him look foolish. So I think someone like that has to be in your lineup, and especially with the shot that that kid possesses as well. Uh, John Gilmore, another one, young kid scratching his way to get into the lineup. I really think he deserves every opportunity to get back in, uh, which means you have, you know, I don't think, I don't know if they're essentially going to go this way, but if you have a top four defense score of Shea Shattenkirk, Pionk, and Gilmore, that's extremely young, but it's, that's, that's building on something that could be very good down the line. Of course, now the question falls, do Mark Stahl and Brendan Smith both make the opening night lineup? Well, Stahl, I think, has to be. I think Mark Stahl, he can pencil in on the third pair. Brendan Smith, though, does he redeem himself? Does he show that he belongs on this team, or does he just keep festering in Hartford? Kevin, what do you think, man? Who gets that sixth defense spot on opening night? Is it someone like Frederick Clayson, who they just chained for, traded for? I mean, is it someone like Anthony D'Angelo, who finally think, finally we see if he can get everything together? Does Brendan Smith get redemption? What do you think the that sixth defense spot will look like, and who do you think takes the seventh defense spot on opening night? This is perfect because I wanted to talk about Brendan Smith very badly. As Zach said, yeah, forward isn't a problem for the Rangers. We pretty much know 
Like, without, like, unless there are some bearing any trades with Hayes or maybe even Spooner, we'll see what happens with the, the coming weeks. But, um, yeah, the biggest question mark is defense. And I really think it's going to be duking it out between Smith. I'm going to say Tony D'Angelo because he's still here. He still has another year here. So we'll see if he really wants to make that opening night roster. He's only 22. And, yeah, Frederick Clayson. We'll see. But those those three are definitely going to be battling it out in training camp. I think it's going to come down to the wire. It's going to be those three and then maybe someone else from the farm system. I'm not really too sure who they're looking at or who's even available. Um, I don't know if uh, Ryan, Ryan Lingard, Lindgren is going to be available. or um, is, is Libor Hayek, is he going to be playing in Hartford next year? Or is well, he Libor Hayek has said during this prospect camp that he has every intention of making the big club. And I'm glad there you brought go. him up because and, I think and, that Libor Hayek absolutely deserves a shot to make the big club. Uh, definitely. As Ken Campbell they, of the Hockey News said last year, Libor Hayek was the best defenseman at the World Junior Championships, not named Rasmus Dahlin. He should have every opportunity to make this opening night roster. Now, moving back to the forward core for just a second, I like what Zach said about Brett Howden. If Brett Howden makes this team, which I think he can because the kid looks like he can play in the NHL next season, uh, your your one two three four at center is a lot of big bodies. So, uh, and I think that will be their best center depth that they've had in a while. I think that as the season goes on, though, and you both can disagree with me on this if you like, but I think that as things go on, I think Filipino should be getting opportunities to skate on the top line. A top line, as in a as in a center or a winger, because as in center, as in Nikita Zibanejad gets okay. bumped down, as in Nikita Zibanejad goes line. down. Okay. Yes. That's, that's, now that might that, be controversial. Yeah, there you go. But I think that he should be given an opportunity to do that based on where we drafted him, what his projections are from people, and what the Rangers will expect from him down the line. Yeah. What do so you guys think? For, so for me, for me, Philip Hedl, um is is kind of in the same boat as as Kevin Hayes, not in the sense that you know obviously with the contract and stuff, but he doesn't really have a set position yet because um, we've seen him play center, we've seen him play wing. Um, Leas Anderson is a center. There's there's really no no doubt about that for the organization. We've seen him do it on the international stage. We saw him do it last year when he came up with the Rangers. Um, so I, I think. Heedle's biggest thing right now is finding the right place for him. Um, if he starts out at center and plays well and and can continue to develop on the NHL level, then, you know, I don't think he'll get the first line, but I can definitely see him, you know, in the top six um, as the second line center. Um, if they start him on the wing, and, you know, he gets better. The Rangers' bottom six, uh, in, from the wingers' perspective, is not going to be so great. So if he if he plays well and can have uh, sustained success, he can easily move up to the, uh, to the wing in the top six. And we'll see what happens. Um, you know, Zuccarello's in the final year of his contract. He's certainly going to be a tradable asset, which no Ranger fan wants to think about right now, but he's going to be a, a movable asset at the deadline. Uh, you're going to be dealing with guys 
as I have Cap Friendly pulled up right here. Uh, Booch is in the final year of his entry-level contract. I don't know if they're going to be willing to trade him, but guys who are assets, uh, Kreider has, is in the second-to-last year of his deal, uh, as is Jesper Foss, so the same situation that Ryan McDonough was in last year. So you're dealing with guys who are going to be marketable depending on their performance, and only time will tell how things shake out. But, yes, Philip Hill can definitely be in the top six come uh, the trade deadline, let's say. But I don't think he'll get up there as quickly as you may hope, Russ. Yes, I, I think that's a fair assessment. I think he's going to need some time to adjust despite um, showing some great uh, skills at the end of the last season. But, uh, you know, you never know. You, you never know how quickly some kids could acclimate. You never know what the this team could look like by the trade deadline because you're right. Uh, people could get traded. Opportunities could open up. Uh, a lot is going to depend on the play of some of our wingers and Mesnikov and Fox and Jimmy Vesey. And if Ryan Spooner is kept, and let's not forget about Bumi Eves either. And, uh, you know, back to the defense for a second. The defense pairings, I think, are so in flux. Uh, remember, not just Lee Hayek, but Ryan Lindgren as well is going to have an opportunity to make this big club. And Ryan Lindgren, if anyone has seen his highlights out there, the dude loves to hit. That's what he does. He just hits everyone, which is something that I don't think anyone in our defense core right now is especially uh, adept at. And he seems to be that one presence that, if deployed right, could be an agitator, could be this kind of guy who gets in your face, pushing people out of the crease. So I think he should be given every opportunity as well, um, which leads us to – the last part of the lineup, we know we already know that uh, Alex Georgiev will back up Henrik Lundqvist. There's probably there's no doubt about that. But the power play, um, the first power play and second power play units, uh, we'll focus on the first and uh, however that pans out during the season. The second will follow. But I think the first power play unit, you need to have, obviously, Kevin Shattenkirk's quarterback to start the season. Uh, you need to have Mika Zibanejad along the half wall where he can just rifle off his shot. Chris Kreider in front of the net. And which leaves two spots open. Do you got who do you guys think fills those two spots on the first power play unit? Kevin, we'll start with you. What was it? Shattenkirk, Shea, and Shattenkirk, uh quarterbacks, Mika Zabanajad mm-hmm. on the half wall on the left side and Chris Kreider in front of the net. Who fills the okay, other two well, spots? Okay, well then I so. I spoiled the next thing. Shea. Yeah. Obviously. Um unless you have him on the second power play for him to start learning how to quarterback a power play. Um, mm-hmm. I would keep him on the first one, learn straight from his defensive partner, Kevin Shattenkirk, which we assume is going to be. And um, I really like Boosh on the power play. He, he has a different look to him. Kreider, you know he's going he's gonna to crash the net. He's going to try to get those gritty goals. But Boosh is going to hang out in, 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 the, in the circle, and he's going to fire off some shots. He's going to make some nice passes, probably to Kreider, probably back to Shattenkirk. He's going to open up that ice and make the defenders go to him because we forget, because, you know, we're Rangers fans and we're always, you know, mad about everything. So we're always going to be down on everybody. But Bush never has some hands. He's got some soft hands, and he can really make defenders look stupid, especially on the power play. He's had some nice looks on the power play, though his numbers don't really show it. I think Bush gets that first look. And now the second power play is going to really depend on who's on the team come the start of the year. Again, I feel like once the Rangers either trade people or re-sign them, then we're really going to know who's going to be starting 
Because if we re-sign Hayes, Spooner, you know, um, Boo, all these RFAs that, that the Rangers have, then you can really get a better idea of who's really going to be starting and who's going to be that thir- the, the um, 13th guy or the 7th defenseman. But I think it might probably be Zook. It's probably going to be Heedle and Anderson and then probably Pionk and Gilmore if, if, I, had to, if I had to guess that. But um, we're going to see a lot of changes. I don't think uh, Quinn is really going to be set on keeping that second power play solid unless it really produces. So I feel like at least through the first couple months, we're going to see that second power play uh, change out some characters around. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. The lineup is very much in flux. And this lineup, opening night, honestly, it, out of all the years I've been a fan, this opening lineup, I, I just don't know. A lot of us don't know. Uh, what David Quinn is going to decide upon. Oh, God, that feels so good not to say Elaine Vigneault. Sorry, I just had to get that out. Um, but um, it, we don't know what David Quinn's thinking. We don't know exactly who's going to impress in camp. But, uh, you know, it, it will be a very interesting and very young opening night lineup. We could have as many as, if you think about it, we could have four or maybe even, no, no, I would say three or four. We'd have as many as three or four rookies on the blue line this season. If you include Pionk Gilmore, Libor Hayek, and maybe even Ryan Lindgren if he impresses enough. And that means the only guys with NHL experience on the top pair would be, with true NHL experience on, on the defense, would be the top pair of Brady Shea and Kevin Shattenkirk. But um, there's a really good chance Mark Stahl stays up since they're not going to bury both Mark Stahl and Brendan Smith. Uh, it just won't happen. So uh, before our guest comes on, uh, Zach, would you like to tell listeners about Dan and uh, what he's done? Yeah, so uh, Danny Freeman, a good friend of mine, uh, we actually grew up together, um, who's having technical difficulties getting onto the site right now as he texts me. Um, He's written for WFAN, he's written for Sports Illustrated, he's written for Bleacher Report, he was an intern for Stan Fischler. Unfortunately, he grew up as an Islanders fan, um, so... So we will have, but we will have stuff to talk with him about. Um, so have no fear with that. But uh, yeah, he's a he's a he's a good guy, great friend, uh, and someone who, when I started getting into blogging, I was able to uh, bounce some stuff off of. Um, but bef- before he calls in, so back to the power plays. So I I agree. I agree with you, Kevin, with uh, Shan Kirk and, and Zuccarello. And not sorry, Shan Kirk, Zabanajad, Buchnevich, Kreider. I just don't think you put a second defenseman on that first unit. I think Shan Kirk is, is too skilled at running a power play to mm-hmm. put a second defenseman there. Um,. And then as for the – so then I would put Zuccarello as the other point, kind of like what they had last year, um, which worked from most of the season. And like you said, though, the second unit is, is the mystery. I would put D'Angelo, uh, if he's on the roster, and Gilmore as the two um, as the two power play defensemen. You have speed with Gilmore. You have the heavy shot and power play quarterback abilities of D'Angelo. Um, and then the forwards, we'll see. But I do think 
Leah Anderson will be on the power play. I do think if Brett Howden is on the team, uh, he'll be on the power play to set up in front. Um, and then we'll see who the other guy is. But you have Nemesnikov, you have potentially Kevin Hayes and Jimmy Vesey and Ryan Spooner. So there's a lot to go with the second power play. I just My biggest thing is you don't need a second defenseman on that first unit when you have a guy like Zuccarello uh, who can play the point. And mm-hmm. that is that. And maybe we should talk about something else while we try and get Danny go. <laughs> I, just to so, counter that, yeah, I definitely agree. I just like the way Shea plays, and especially if we see a lot of good things with Shaddy, he might even back him up a little defensively on the power play because Shaddy might take a few like extra steps that he might not. Like, he might lose the puck. We don't know what might happen. Well, he, he's experienced enough to not do that, but that's just my fear. But I might honestly, I might see this might be a little crazy, but we might see a like a third power play unit, like one of those that we that they, he might throw in there every once in a while, maybe like. There's two power plays in a row, and it's like, oh, some of these guys are tired or right after a penalty kill. So I think because that second power play unit is so in flux, he might just keep guys together who are doing well and then just be like, hey, you, 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 th- you for the third power play unit go in and you know, show them what, I, what you could do. Maybe if they're up by a lot or they're down by a lot, and he might give those guys like a, a chance. Like, like, you know, Spooner we might see. Yeah, Anderson definitely, Hayes and VC and Nemestikov are definite. And we might even see Pionk and or, or if, if if he's not on that second power play unit, Pionk might be there or uh, Hayek if he's there. So it's just like Russell said, it's just the weirdest thing about this season is we have no idea who's going in next season because we always had definite things. Yeah, Every year the ranges right. were, were competitive. Right. So And now I guess before we go to our next reader question, I would like to welcome on Mr. Thank you for joining us on Forever Blue Shirts Radio. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great, man. Great. So Zach tells me you grew up an Islander fan. I did. So how do you feel about this whole Tavares thing? Are you on the side? Do you understand why he moved to Toronto? Are you upset at him still? How do you feel about the move uh, to Toronto for John Tavares? I was never upset at him. I mean, honestly, I think this whole thing is – been made out of nothing i you know he he did what he had to do to be honest with you i think the islanders dropped the ball you know if they really they really could have gotten him signed sooner if they wanted to if they could have gotten their act together i mean they kind of waited till the 11th hour to finally uh fire their coach and general manager and get the right people aboard they gave him nothing to work with for nine years he was a great soldier he could have asked for a trade years ago uh even if he did tell them that he didn't want to be traded. They could have made the best decision for the organization going forward if they felt that they had to make a trade, you know, because they didn't feel confident that he was going to resign. They could have made a trade to get some assets. They, you know, they, they didn't have to let him dictate. And you know what? He took his time. He sounds like he was very torn. I know he was very torn about this decision. And ultimately he made the decision to go back to Toronto, which he absolutely had the right to do. He didn't string anyone along. You know, he, it wasn't a secret plan all the time. He met with other teams several other teams as well, you know, so by that logic that he's stringing them along too. Uh, and ultimately he, like he went to Toronto and, and who, who can blame him? I mean, it's a great, or, it's a great opportunity for him. You know, he did grow up there to the comfort so that there's a good fit, you know, it was a great nucleus there. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hoping he gets everything that the Islanders should have given him there. 
and I'm hoping that it's everything that he wants it to be. So there's no hard feelings here. He's always been great, you know, to deal with from a media standpoint, to never shy away from a question, always respectful, uh, just a great guy, and I wish him nothing but the best. I think that's a great outlook. A lot of people are really, really mad and upset at some crazy things about the guy, but I think that's an awesome outlook on him. He did do everything he possibly could have in the nine years he was on the island to produce, and, uh, you know, I'm glad you're wishing him all the best. I hope a lot of other Islanders fans wish him the same. Uh, yeah. Moving along, uh, the Eric Carlson saga doesn't seem to be at its end point, despite people thinking it might have been, and it was even reported by Sean Simpson from TSN at one point that the move was done awaiting a trade call. Obviously, that did not happen. Um, what do you see at this point? Do you think Eric Carlson will be on the move within the next few weeks, or, or will this drag out all the way till the trade deadline next season? I think this is going to drag out. I mean, if you're the Senators, and, and the worst part about it is the more it drags out, the more his value goes down. But if you're the Senators, you know, it's kind of hard to look at what teams are going to be willing to give up right now and say, yeah, that's enough for him. You know, I mean, you're talking about arguably the best defenseman in a generation. I mean, this, this guy is really like the next Nick Lidstrom almost in that sense. And, I mean, you look at some of these offers, unless you're getting a ton for him, it, it's hard to say, but – you know, I mean, the Senators, they're doomed, right? I mean, this is this is a foregone conclusion. But I think it's just going to be such a mismatch at the beginning in terms of what's available that I feel like they're not going to necessarily give up so quickly and say and settle for a lower, you know, for, for a uh, lower return. I think they're going to try. I do think you'll see it. I would like to think it's going to happen in the first few months of the season. I feel like it's not happening in the next few weeks. So, Danny, thanks again for coming on. Um, so, back to the Islanders. Uh, Lou Lamorello's come in, made some changes, new head coach, obviously. Um, but he's found a lot of guys who are not the most skilled compared to the rest of the league. Um, bringing back Matt Martin is certainly a move that um, makes Rangers fans a little queasy for everything he did against them. He was on the island. But uh, Robin Leonard, as a starting goalie, as an outsider, so to speak, is not going to get me excited about playing against the Islanders just because he's so streaky and he's so inconsistent and he can be a little bit of a hothead if things aren't going well in front of him. So what what do you think about the job Lamorello's done so far? I think he's done an okay job. I mean, I, you know, definitely the Tavares thing definitely threw a wrench in it, but I'm sure he knew that there was a possibility that John wouldn't resign. And, uh, you know, I mean, they had, if they didn't have a plan B, then that's a problem. You know, in in a sense, I think it makes sense what they're trying to do. I think they're, you're definitely going to see a forward on the move or two from Long Island because they've just got, it looks like almost 15 bottom six forwards and something's going to have to give. Um, so you almost feel like there's a trade coming. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, from what I understand, there are a few players that are very disappointed the way the Tavares thing uh, played out. And, you know, I, and some some of them might have requested to be on the move. So we'll see. It's hard to tell right now. But I think for what they're going to do next year, I mean, this is a team that's not competing for a Stanley Cup for the next year. So they have, you know, if you had to replace John Tavares, they already have the replacement, which is, pretty good because most teams, you know, that would lose their franchise player wouldn't have another franchise player just waiting around. And now I'm just having Matt Barzell, which is nice. 
But, uh, you know, Valtteri Filippola is a good veteran. Leo Komarov, obviously too much money, but I like the player. You know, I, I mean, they're not going to, you know, listen, this team is not going to blow anyone away. This, But, you know, by the same token, they didn't make the playoffs with John Tavares last year. So I think you've got the right coach and general manager in place now. And I think you have to look at this as a two, three-year thing as opposed to just looking at the roster the way it is now and saying, well, that's the plan. You know, you have to think it's more than that. Robert Leonard, I think, is a very good opportunity. He, he is very talented, very streaky, but very talented. It's a show-me year, you know, to try and go get another contract. He's going to be hungry to prove it. Um, you'd like to think the Islanders' defense is a little bit better than Buffalo's, and they're better than they were last year. And I think the addition of Barry Trotz is going to play a major role in that. You know, don't underestimate what he can do with the defensive group, you know, on his coaching alone. So I think you're going to see a good opportunity for him. And, I mean, I think this team is going to be competitive at the very least. I don't think they're going to be pushovers. I don't know where they'll finish, but I think they'll compete every night. And the guys that they've brought in have certainly been competitive players. Right. And – so you mentioned Robin Leonard, how he can be streaky. When do you think uh, Ilya Sorokin will make his debut in North America? Do you think this season at some point, next season? I'm not too sure when his contract is up in the KHL. Uh, but, uh, yeah, what do you think? Do you think he is the goaltender of the future out there on the island? Uh, it's really tough to say because, you know, the, you know the, these, these KHL goalies and whatnot, I mean, it's just very tough to say when they'll come over. I don't even think it's an Islanders issue. I think it's just – you know, these Russian guys, they get comfortable over there. They like the KHL. They'll get more money over there, you know, and, you know, they have their contract situations. I think it's just a very tough thing to iron out. So, you know, to figure out when they're finally going to come over, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, they've tried to get him out for rookie camps for the last three years, and I think there was one recently where he was supposed to come in the last minute. He couldn't. Like, it's just a very complicated situation. So I don't think if you're the Islander, I don't think you can bank on that, bank on Sorokin even necessarily as your goalie of the future, even though in theory he should be. So I, I you know, if and Lou Lamorello has always understood this, right? Every team he's built has been around a goaltender, uh, and even in Toronto he go went out and got Freddie Anderson. So I mean, even if Robin Leonard's a stopgap, you have to think some point in the next, whether it's Ilya Sorokin or somebody else, the Islanders under Lou Lamorello will have a franchise goaltender in some form because that's just the way he builds his teams. So I wouldn't be too concerned on that front. So Danny, so just, uh, thanks again for coming on, but uh, just one quick question. Uh, how do you, how'd you feel when uh, Wallstrom and Dobson dropped down pretty lower than everybody expected them to? Did you feel like these guys can now be huge stepping stones for the Islanders come the future? I know Wallstrom is uh committed to BC, so you might not see him for a few years, and I'm not really too sure about Dobson, but uh, do you think like when these guys develop that once they come to the Islanders, they could be huge difference makers for them? Oh, it's huge. I mean, the Islanders, the truth is the Islanders actually have, you know, with all the doom and gloom, the Islanders have a very good nucleus of prospects. I mean, if you think about it, right, even before Dobson and Wallstrom, and when they fell, I mean, you couldn't, you could not trade any of those picks. You had to pick those two players because by all accounts those players should have been picked in the top 10 you know some one you know arguably one of them should have been picked within the top five so I mean if you think about from that standpoint that you have those two guys you've got Kiefer Bellows you've got uh, Ryan Pulak who's young is already starting to develop and now has Barry Trotz to help guide him and you've got Barzil and you've got Beauvillier you know like you start to see there really is a nucleus here and it's going to be a good team you know and, you, you you know, once these guys are developed, you build around. And obviously Josh Hosang, you know, not mentioned and should bounce back. Mm-hmm. 
You know, so, I mean, you've definitely got young talent there. I don't think there's any question, even with that there, as the Islanders have the opportunity to develop into a very talented, capable team. It's just a matter of, you know, I think, again, finding the right support players, giving them time to marinate and develop. And, you know, this is not going to be an overnight change, right? Some of these players, like you said, are going to have to go to college and juniors and continue to develop. But they'll get there, and, you know, it's certainly the addition of Wallstrom and Dobson. And don't underestimate, by the way, Odie Wild, who they picked in the second round, who by all accounts should have been picked in the first round. Um, that was another great pick. They had, the Islanders had a fantastic draft. I mean, I don't think, you know, you know no matter who you're, which team you're a fan of or whatever, I don't think you can really argue with it. They had one of the top three drafts, you know, this year by far. So, I mean, they did a great job. They did. Dan, thanks so much for joining us, man. Appreciate the view from uh... – the other side of the New York rivalry. Have a good night, man. Thanks so much. No, thanks. Take care, guys. You too. Take care. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, man. You know, I know we're very Ranger-centric here, but it is interesting to hear from the other side of the rivalry, at least for me every once in a while, to hear what's going on in Islander land. But uh, to Dan's point, the Islanders did have a very good draft. and they, I, think I think they had the best draft. They had everybody. a very, very good draft, but – Coming back to our perspective, I think a lot of people were very angry at first, including myself and including oh, Kevin, yeah. who we were that. watching the draft <laughs> together and we were very upset. But as things have gone on here the past few weeks, I think a lot of people are starting to realize just how good Vitaly Kravtsov is going to be. Um, from the videos of what he is doing to the potential, to the comparing of stats to stars in the league now, to his attitude, he used to get in trouble, for those that didn't read uh, this interview out with the Rangers recently, for wearing a Yarmir Yager Ranger jersey under his clothes during practice. His coach used to yell at him for that because he really was into the Rangers, really into Yager back then. So I think the kid has such a good attitude about this whole thing. Uh, he's not taking shots at anyone else. Uh, like Wallstrom took a shot at the Rangers for not taking him. He's focused. He's going back to the KHL to dominate for another year. And then he will be back, and I think we do. We will ultimately see Vitaly Kravtsov playing for this team at some point uh, during the season. And if not for the big club, at least in Hartford. But uh, it will be very interesting to see his development as uh, time goes on. But I really wanted to point that out, that I think a lot of people have been warming up to Vitaly Kravtsov over the past few weeks. You've got to also realize that he's playing with men. Just like Igor exactly. Zajorskin was doing. I think also just like Bushnevich was doing, like all these Russian players, people are down with like, oh, they don't have good stats. Oh, he only has X amount of points in these games. It's like, yeah, but they're also under 18 playing with people that are over 30. So they're bigger than them, they're stronger than them, and they're a lot more experienced than them. So when they have this experience, they come into the NHL more prepared than anybody else. So I think that's one of those things that people they focus on stats too much, and I feel like that kind of drowns how good that player really can be. And another thing, and I'm, I, I, I agree, it's good to hear an Islanders perspective, or even if we had someone from, you know, that was a Devils fan on here, because in two to three years, that rivalry is going to be amazing. Like, I never looked oh, yeah. like, yeah, we're playing the Islanders, it's good, it's a good game, it's going to be a lot of hits, but now it's going to be a scoring fest on either side in the next two to three years with all these prospects coming up. So I'm really looking forward to those games again. Because last season was very, like, the Islanders won almost every game. So it was pretty disappointing as a Rangers fan, but it was also disappointing by the score. It wasn't good game. It wasn't good hockey on the Rangers side. It was good hockey on the Islanders side because they were better than us. But at least we'll see like a better rivalry come two to three years from now. 
I definitely agree. I think the rivalry is going to take shape really nicely within the next few years. And it'll be exciting to see these really high-skilled Rangers-Islanders rivalry games again. Uh, now we have another reader question to get to. And that one is from – hang on, let me pull this up from, uh, from the guy really quick because it was actually a really cool question. Uh, this is from Brandon Faust at BFaust30, and he asks, what are rookie expectations this year? So in order to keep this a little more controlled – the only two surefire rookies, actually four, I have three or four. The only three or four surefire rookies we know will be on this team come uh, season will be Filipino, Leas Anderson, Neil Pionk, and possibly John Gilmore. So let's keep our predictions of stats to those four. We can do this question again towards the end of this uh, offseason and see if anything has changed, uh, possibly in our season preview show. We'll talk about this. But for those four specifically right now, I think a good estimate for Filipino at this point and where he's going to be in the lineup and the new pressures on him, I think a 2020 season would be good for him. Not too high, not too crazy, just enough to get him acclimated to the league, and I think he can definitely, with the skill he has and what he showed last year in the AHL and in his call-up, I think a 2020 season is definitely possible for him. Leah Anderson, we don't know exactly what role he will be put out into, possibly top six, maybe as your third-line center. But I think something like a 15, uh, 15, maybe 15-20, or maybe a 15-25, as I think he is a, a, bit, a little bit more of a playmaker, as Hedl seems the one who likes to do the goal scoring more. Uh, as for Neil Pionk and John Gilmore, I think both of them maybe somewhere around 5 to 10 goals, possibly. And the assists maybe are looking at a similar thing, kind of 5 to 10 as they get acclimated to the league. So I think you're looking for all of these rookies, maybe somewhere – Phil Pedal 40 points, Leah Sanderson 35 to 40, and Pianca Gilmore somewhere around the 20, point, uh, 20 points each during the course of the season. Kevin, we'll start with you. What do you think for those four? So, yeah, I definitely agree with you about Heedle and Anderson on those point totals, but I think that's a good estimate to start out with based off of how they played last season. But now you got to remember, seven games for Anderson. I think it might have been also seven games for Heedle. So, we're going to look at this and we got to say like, that's the smallest sample size before they burn their contract. And now they're going to have they're like, there's no doubt they're going to make the team They're The Rangers are intent on most likely, unless some disastrous thing happens where they play God awful. And they're like, Oh, you know, they didn't spend more time in Hartford. They're going to be on the team. There's no doubt about it. second and third line centers. So they're going to get acclimated during training camp. They're going to get acclimated during the beginning of the season. Just when everybody else is learning Quinn's new system, they'll be there, and they're probably going to be the front runners because their minds are still new to the NHL. So they're probably going to take it with, you know, a lot better than some of the veterans might, and they might not make as many mistakes. So I honestly, it's a, a good high prediction for me, Heedle 25-20, to be honest with you. Ooh. And maybe Anderson 15-30. Okay. Those are those are okay. extremely positive numbers that I want to have, especially if they're going to get the power play time that we talked about earlier. Power play times, and they're really excelling in Quinn's system, and they're really doing well in the power play. Then you can really see those point totals start to rise, and that's what we want to see. Don't get me wrong, twenty twenty and fifteen twenty five are great to start out their first year, but if they want to have a huge impact, they can really get those point totals up. And Zach, obviously, what do you think? What Gilmore more we saw, so. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, Zach, what do you think for those rookies? What do you think are good predictions for them stats-wise for their first true seasons in the league? 
So I, I Leah's Adams and Filipino, I agree around the forty point mark for both of them. But something tells me Anderson's gonna have more goals. He's got a great work ethic. He gets in behind the net, digs out the pucks, goes hard to the net, sets up in front, um for for deflections and greasy goals. So I can see him having twenty or twenty five goals um next season and you know, obviously that's twenty five being a very high number, but even even fifteen or twenty would be um a really good start for him. Um also twenty assists, point range, uh forty five if 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 he really has a great season like we just said. Uh Filipino thirty five to forty points also. Um I can see him with fifteen goals. If he's playing in the middle, um I see him getting more assists. If he plays on the wing he'll have more goals. But he'll certainly be a factor uh next season with the team. And as for the defenseman, um look, Gilmore's got great speed. He knows when to jump into the play. We saw it last year. Um he had a couple overtime goals. Uh, including one that came on a great pass from Ryan Spooner against, I believe it was the Canucks. Uh, I could be wrong. I, it's been a while since I watched that clip. But, uh, you know, I, I could see him having 15, 20 points. Um, obviously, for a defenseman, it'll be mostly assists. Um, but I could see him scoring uh, four or five goals. And Pionk has a good shot, but he's not known for it. He's much more of a, uh, but he has great skating ability. He has the offensive awareness to know when to shoot the puck, when to dump it into the corners for a prolonged puck battle, uh, stuff like that. So I could see him with uh, 15, 20 points or so as well, uh, but I I don't see him scoring more than than, uh, two or three goals, which I don't like saying because, you know, you always want, big contributions from your defenseman, but for a defensive defenseman in his first full season, I think just making sure he gets David Quinn's system right and that he plays defense the way that he's supposed to, the goals will come and the points will come after all that happens. And I think you bring up a very good point, Zach, that the players are going to have to get used to David Quinn's system. Um, it's going to take a little while. Uh, it's a, it's going to be totally new. David Quinn is a guy who preaches possession of the puck. Uh, Lane Vigneault was all about the quick stretch pass. So remember, when Elaine Vigneault started with the Rangers, they had a big growing period in the beginning of the season. But remember, that season ended with a trip to the Stanley Cup final. Not saying this one will at all, but it's going to take a bit for the team to get acclimated to David Quinn's system once the season starts, which means some players will probably take a hit to their point totals in the beginning. Um so that is definitely something to keep in mind when the season rolls around, if they're kind of slow right off the bat. Uh, just remember they're the getting other, into an entirely new system of coaching. The other thing I want to add, Russ, we're going to continue, is you mentioned yeah. Elaine Vigneault when he first got here. He inherited a very good yeah. John Tortorella team that had, mm-hmm. that had a very good John Tortorella work ethic. So the growing period for that was – you're talking about a veteran team that's pretty much been set in their ways where the team was already on the brink of quote unquote greatness and getting deep in the playoffs. They got to the, 
to overtime of Game 6 in 2012 with Tortorella. So that team knew how to win. They knew what they needed to do. This is a very young team, a team that is, aside from a handful of guys, you know, aside from Mark Stahl, everyone on the team is under, and Matt Zuccarello, uh, and now Cody McLeod, everyone on the team is under 30, and the only guys who are older, who are who are 29ers, uh, who's 29 is Kevin Shattenkirk, as I have the roster pulled up. Steven Kampfer is 29, and he's a seventh defense, defenseman at best. Kreider is 27. Everyone else is 26 or younger. So you're talking about a, a very young team, a team that, yes, Brady Shea has been in the league already for a couple of years. Um, Jesper Foss is, is a perfect third-line player, but he's played all up and down the lineup. But you're not talking about guys who have, you know, for the most of the team at least, gone on and have huge successes um, in their careers to this point. So the whole team, as from my perspective, is in it with David Quinn in the sense that they're all in their beginning stages of their NHL careers. So, you know, learning this new system, especially for the first-year guys or the guys who were only under Vigneault for – two or three months at the most, like Pionk and Gilmore, they didn't really get set in their ways yet. So for a guy like Zuccarello and for a guy like uh, Chris Kreider even, and for a guy like Mark Stahl, who have had, you know, two coaches in the in the last eight years that they've been with the organization, for them it'll be more of a challenge than it will be for guys like um, – for guys like Leith Anderson and Philip or even guys like Booch and Jimmy Vesey, uh, if Vesey's brought back, because they only had, you know, a year and a half or so with Vigneault behind the bench, whereas David Quinn, who's familiar with some of these guys, um, is going to be bringing in a modern system uh, for this young group of Rangers. Yeah, and David Quinn is going to have a lot of molding to do uh, for this team. Like you said, a lot of young kids, he's going to have to really be a teacher, really kind of get them on his side, especially some of like the quote-unquote older guys that are only 29 to 27. But still, uh, you know, he's kind of a younger coach. Uh, but I think David Quinn will do a nice job. Uh, his full roster will be announced soon um, on his coaching staff, which we will definitely have for you on Forever Blue Shirts when it drops. And now, to end the show today, we're going to do some quick hits. And those quick hits are I'm going to yell out some names, and Zach and Kevin are going to tell me the first team that comes to mind where these names are going to be traded to. Okay, Eric Carlson, Kevin. I honestly think it's probably the Dallas Stars at this point. Zach? I really hope it's not Tampa. Let's put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Justin Falk. Kevin? Oh, I think he's going to stay in Carolina. Zach? Yeah, to me, for him to be traded, uh, Carolina and John Dundon need to be absolutely blown out of the water. They they have mm-hmm. no... They have no... Um, no reason to they do have it. No, right, thank you. They have no reason to make the trade this year, especially where he has another year left on his deal after this season. So I, I think he stays as well, but if he gets traded... I wouldn't be shocked. 
Jeff Skinner, Kevin. Again, you got to look at it this way. Uh, Carolina is a more like they're rejuvenated now this year. So they might not trade anybody unless they're really blown away. If I really had a pick somewhere, though, I kind of see Jeff Skinner going to the Devils. Ooh, but interesting. That's just me. That's just my perspective on it. I don't really don't have anybody going the other way in my mind right now, but thinking about it, the Devils. Zach, uh, Jeff Skinner. Oh, God, I hope it's not the Devils, but, you know. <laughs> well, well, because he he's a very good player and in the, in the mm-hmm. Rangers division. Um, who's already in the Rangers division, I should say. So sending him to a, a long-time rival is certainly not ideal. But, you know, Skinner's almost at $6 million a year in the last year of his contract. If Carolina's out of it by the All-Star break, he's being moved. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, Yes, I agree. To start, to, to start the season, he's not going anywhere. But we'll see how things shape up. I could see him going to a team – and I don't have the the you know the list of teams and their cap uh, availabilities, but I could see him going to a team like the Sharks, uh, and not necessarily the Sharks, but you know in the same situation that Vander Kane was in last year, where a big free agent, uh, potential free agent rental, um, you know for a playoff push, so a team like the Sharks last year. Um, is where I can see him going. And if you don't finally, mind, oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, Sorry. Oh, oh, well, no, if you're going to do one more quick one. hit, then I'll do it after yeah. you do the quick hit. One more quick hit. Max Pacioretty. Kevin. I think he's going to start off in Montreal because the Canadians are going to just ask way too much. He's, exactly. he's, a, he's a UFA this end, the, the end of the next year, right? Correct. Correct. Okay, yeah, no, he's going to start in Montreal, and then some other team is going to swoop in, and I really can't tell you who. I can kind of yeah, see it being Stahl. Minnesota because they're going to be a little down on uh, center depth soon with Koivu yeah. and Stahl starting to get a little older. That's ready. Um, it's a good question. You know, when I think about teams around the league and their organizational depth with prospects, you know, the Islanders obviously come to mind, and we spoke about them a lot tonight. Um, Detroit's got Philip Zadina now. But Buffalo kind of intrigues me, and not, not because they have, um, you know, the track record as we've seen the last few years. But, you know, you're talking about a team, Jack Eichel's obviously their best player. But Rasmus Dahlin's on the team now. They just traded for Connor Sherry. From Pittsburgh, they brought Vladimir Sabotkover um, from Russia, who used to be with the Blues. He was a good player for them. Casey Middlestat, Sam Reinhart played very well last year with Jack Eichel. So it's a very good young forward group. How they can fit him in and what they would have to give up, I would assume would include one of those pieces that Montreal would ask for. But I, yeah, at the back at the back of my head, I can see. Uh, Buffalo making a play for him. Now, before we get to whatever Kevin did want to say, I just want to say <laughs> for my personal my personal choices for those, I think Eric Carlson will, at this point, if Steve Eiserman isn't willing to part with the top prospects, I think the Dallas Stars is probably where he's going to end up. Uh, Steve, you got to give to get. You can only be a GM wizard for so long. You really need to make 
you need to give one of your top prospects away or include a roster player at some point. So I think Carlson went up in Dallas. I think Justin Falk is staying put. Uh, I, but I do think Jeff Skinner is gone. And I think the team Jeff Skinner will most likely be going to is, drum roll please, who needs a winger? I think it's going to be Buffalo or San Jose he will be going to. Uh, Buffalo I could really see happening. I don't think he'll be as expensive as Pacioretty would be. And I think he'd fit in nicely next to Eichel and Middlestat. And as for Max Pacioretty, uh, he was almost dealt to the Sharks, then almost dealt to the Kings, and things fell apart. But I don't think this Max Pacioretty situation will drag on at all. I think that by training camp, he will find his new spot. And I think a team that needs a scoring winner, a team that could use someone like Max Pacioretty, would definitely have to be someone like, oh, we're coming out of a little bit of left field here. But if you think about it, they have the assets. Uh, they have a lot of young players in their lineup, and I think it's time that they start getting some veteran presence. Call me a little crazy here, but if you, I don't think that you should uh, excuse the Arizona Coyotes from Max Pacioretty's services. And I think if you want to give a, bet, a, a more kind of easier answer, I think the Chicago Blackhawks, since they just cleared a lot of cap space today with the Marion Hosa trade, should definitely be seen as places Max Pacioretty could go. Don't call me crazy to Arizona just yet. They have the space. No, that's, they have that's some a really good young players. Yeah, and especially with guys like Clayton Keller, uh, recently acquired Alex Galchenyuk, and guys like Derek Stepan and uh, Christian Fisher, uh, Nick Merkley. I believe it's Nick Merkley they have. Nick Merkley, yeah, Nick Merkley, I believe, is on their team. Uh, Dylan Strom, they're going to need a nice guy uh, to uh, get down there and help them with the offense. Yeah, Alvar ekman Larson. Now, the only thing is, who knows if Patrick will sign an extension there, but... That's another topic altogether. So, Kevin, what's going on? So, I wanted to get to another point, but I actually compared it to one of the reader questions from Aiden at Titans underscore Beast 26. He asked, possible trades the Rangers can make to benefit the future. And I wanted to get to this point, and it connects. That's not going to happen until Eric Carlson is traded, which, as Mm -hmm. bad as that sounds, I completely believe in this. Eric Carlson is doing what the MLB did during their free agency, and everything is clogged up waiting for that one big deal to happen. And in this case, it's a trade. So until Eric Carlson is gone, until Ottawa either lowers their asking price or another team meets their expectations, we're going to see no trades of significance that are either salary cap dumps or minor, minor league trades. So to answer your question, Aiden, I see Kevin Hayes either going to Calgary, Ryan Spooner either going that way too. It's just one of those things. It's just not going to happen until Eric Carlson is free of Ottawa's clutches and is in a new home somewhere that's hopefully not Tampa Bay because they'll have to increase the cap space by $100 million to do it. (laughs) So I think that it's probably either going to be Hayes or Spooner. And as bad as it sounds, we're not going to get anything substantial for them. We're going to probably get mid-tier prospects or even – second or third round picks for them, at least a good amount of them. So uh, one of those two is going to definitely be going. And again, Eric Carlson is gumming up the works and I just really want this to be done. So I can see either the Rangers are in on that deal or just, they make their own deals eventually. I agree. And uh, similar to Giancarlo Stanton last season in the MLB's off season, everything is kind of shifting around one player. And once Eric Carlson is mm-hmm. indeed on his new team, Whoever We're going to see so many be. trades. Uh, we'll see some activity uh, throughout the league. But, you know, it's uh, Pierre Dorian, man. Clock's ticking. 
he's unhappy. He does, he wants to leave. Uh, I know you're doing everything you can, but Eric Carlson needs to find a new home. Um, same thing with uh, Dallas. Jim No wants uh, Eric Carlson. You need to give up Miro Heiskanen. That's their price. That's what they're asking for. And, uh, you know, I think ultimately that is what it's going to take. It's going to take either Jim Nill saying, okay, you can have Miro Heiskanen, or him saying, no, I can't do this, find another spot for Eric Carlson. So hopefully the situation is resolved sooner rather than later so Eric Carlson can move on in, in his life. Same with his wife. They've had to deal with a lot there in Ottawa. Uh, and so the league can also move on as well. Um, final word before we uh, end today is that, uh, guys, next season, all listeners out there, uh, we are entering uncharted territory. It's not going to be pretty. If we're good, if we're good, we make a wild card spot. The kids get some playoff action. Great. That's awesome. That's some playoff experience for our young kids. If we're not good, David Quinn's system takes a, a longer than expected time to adjust to the team. Uh, we're not looking good by the deadline. Time to ship people out. Silver lining, if we do well in the draft lottery, Jack Hughes. And then we have a number one center for the next 15 years. Uh, so remember, either or, we're not expected to be good this year. If we are, it's a nice surprise. If we aren't, higher picks in the draft lottery, another high-end offensive player joins the fold for the 2019-2020 season. Uh, it's Believe me, just have fun. This season's going to be all about growth. It's going to be about seeing what we have, and there's no pressure. So it's going to be a very interesting time in Rangers town. So with that, Kevin, Zach, thank you so much to the both of you for joining me today on Forever Blue Shirts Radio. That's right. For those that missed last episode, we are now Forever Blue Shirts Radio. Tilted Ice is now a thing of the past. We wanted to be closer to our website, closer to our writers, and we wanted to show brand support for each other. So thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back in just a few short weeks. And please, Eric Carlson, Pierre Dorian, let's get this going. Have a good week, everyone. Hey folks, Dirks Bentley here. If you've seen one of my concerts, you know I'm all about energy. Performing, recording, traveling, being a husband and a father, it's a busy life. And I need to be 100% every day. So when my battery starts running low, I grab a sugar-free, vitamin-packed, five-hour energy shot. It tastes great, and it gets me back to 100% fast. Try it. It could work for your busy life, too. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. Hey folks, Dirk Bentley here. If you've seen one of my concerts, you know I'm all about energy. Performing, recording, traveling, being a husband and a father, it's a busy life, and I need to be 100% every day. 
So when my battery starts running low, I grab a sugar-free, vitamin-packed, five-hour energy shot. It tastes great, and it gets me back to 100% fast. Try it. It could work for your busy life, too. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. And let's go, Raider Nation. It's me, Evan Grote, host of Just Pod Baby. Join me as I bring you the latest news on your Las Vegas Raiders. On Just Pod Baby, I will give you my thoughts on all things silver and black. And of course, you can expect to receive the best information from top-notch guests. Be sure to listen to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Silver and Black Today Media Group. What's going on? You have John Wanglin, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at... Is Khabib Namagamadov versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets. Hey everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called, Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called, Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us.